doing? Awesome to see you guys. Just so great to be around all my brothers and sisters here. This is a sweet time of community, which is awesome because we're talking about community. So um, I just want to welcome you guys to Rimrock Church here downtown, and we just so glad you guys are here with us. But um, yeah, let me pray. Lord God, I just, Father, I thank you for being a God who comes into our lives, who works through us, that enables us to be your church, and Lord, that you, the outcomes of that are, are not on our own giftings, our own talents, our own goodness, Father, because really we don't have any. Father, it, it's all about your goodness and who you are and you working through us, Father. So we give you the glory for that tonight. We recognize right now that the church is what it is because of your spirit, because of who you are, and because of what you've called us to be. So Lord, may we just remember that as we um, just d- dive into this topic of community one more time here to close out this series, Lord. And most importantly, most importantly, Father, may you be glorified through that. In Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we've been in this mini-series. We've been kind of going in month sections here, um, and uh, this mini-series on community. And I hope you guys have been given a glimpse of the calling, the benefits, the blessings, the, on, and the opportunities that are given to us when we choose to be the church that God calls us to be. A, a church where we are, we're living in community with one another, um, we're going to look at that some more today, but first I want to tell you a story I heard a number of years, years ago, um, but just really highlighted what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, there was a preacher that was sitting at his desk one day, uh, reflecting on the last Sunday and, and the people of the body that had shown up for worship, and he regularly tried to practice um, uh, a reflection time each week where he would kind of evaluate the body to see if there were anybody from the church that hadn't been there for a while, they hadn't been coming, and so that he could get a hold of them and make sure everything was okay. And that, su- or that, that week when he was sitting there thinking about it, he realized that there was a man named John who hadn't been at church for a few months. He couldn't believe that he hadn't noticed it because um, it, it seemed really odd because John had been a long-time regular attender at, at the church and was very active in the church. And so it, when he realized it had been a few months, he was surprised at himself that he, he hadn't caught this before. But, but the, the pastor had also, just to give you a little bit more backstory, he had, he had also buried John's wife about six, six months ago before this time after she lost her battle to cancer. So this pastor decided to call John and to let him know that he was going to come over and check up on him. And John said that would be fine. It was a cold winter day and when this pastor showed up at John's house and he was welcomed in the living room when there was this, this roaring fire going in the corner fireplace at the house. Um, they got talking and John asked him how he was doing adjusting to this life without his wife. Um, they'd been married for over 40 years, by the way. Um, and, and John said he was making do, just taking it one day at a time pretty standard response for most people in his shoes that this pastor would get. After chatting for a while, making small talk, the pastor kind of addressed the elephant in the room, and he asked John why he hadn't been to church for so long, and John kind of smirked and responded that to the pastor that that is kind of what he figured he was going to be asked when the pastor had asked to come over and see him. And he went on to explain, though, that he had decided that it was difficult for him to be a part of the body without his wife around. He he didn't know where he fit in. 
Um, he didn't know how to be a part of the body. He, he also explained that he didn't think it was necessary. Uh, he, he had his Bible study every day when he woke up. It, on Sundays, he turned on his TV and he listened to one of the pastors broadcasting their services on, on the national networks. He explained to the pastor that he didn't think that the community of the, um, he needed the community of the church to have a relationship with God and, and that it wasn't hurting anything for him to not be there and that he couldn't find any reason to keep going. He re- reassured the pastor that the church shouldn't worry about him, but that he really appreciated him catching up to making sure that he was doing okay. After sitting there listening to John speak his mind on this and contemplating what he was saying for a few minutes, the pastor stood up and he, he walked over to the fireplace. and he, he grabbed the tongs sitting next to the, to the fireplace that were hanging on the rack and he, he put them into the fire and he grabbed a coal. Pulled that coal out and he placed it onto the stone base of the fireplace outside of the fire. Didn't say a word, but he put the tongs back on the rack. He walked over to his chair and he sat back down without saying a word. The two men sat, the two men sat there staring at that coal in silence. Over the next 10 minutes or so, they, they watched silently as the coal cooled down and eventually turned to ash. Silence between the two of them remained, and a few minutes later, John um, finally broke the silence, and all he said was, I'll see you on Sunday. The pastor got up, see you on Sunday. The pastor got up, shook his John's hand, and he he went home. This might seem kind of like a a cheesy, cliche story, but there's so much truth behind its message because I I think it can be so easy for any one of us to lose sight of the importance of community uh, of the church. And if we lose sight of that and we make the decision like John did just to kind of do things on our own, we can quickly fall into the struggles that it brings along with it. So today we're going to be talking about this message, more specifically the dangers of isolation when it comes to the community of the church. As you maybe have gotten a glimpse of over the last few weeks, we're gonna, we, we are called as followers of Jesus to be the body of believers. We get an amazing picture of this in scripture from the teachings of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm gonna read most of this chapter. It's kind of long, so stay with me here, but there's so much in here. I couldn't, I couldn't shorten it, so I just decided to read the whole thing. So starting in verse 4 in chapter 12, it says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing spirit, b- distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the inter- interpretation of those tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so, to for, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, 
it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were, were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an, were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, we are treated, are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that, it, that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. You see, we're all called to be a part of this body. We all play different parts. We all have different gifts that lead us to help, uh, to help us uh, make the body complete. Without part of the body doing its, its job, the function of the body suffers. And remember that this body does have a function. Okay? It, it has a glorious mission that God has given it. One scripture that captures this mission is, uh, um, mission is the Great Commission. This is from Matthew 28. 16 through 20, it reads this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to, to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, this mission God has given, it's from God, this is the mission that he has given to his people. And he has appointed the church to be the vessel in which this mission is to be completed. But when we choose to isolate ourselves from the church, from the community, from the community that God has given us, we hurt this mission by not serving as the part of the body of the church that God has anointed us to be. So when looking at the dangers of isolation, I'm going to talk about five of them tonight. One of the biggest ones um, is that while we still have our identity in Christ, is that we miss out on our calling in this world. We're called to be a part of the church. And I want to be clear, this isn't a guilt thing, okay? We should not be a part of the church because guilt is leading us to do it. We should be a part of the church because that is part of our identity as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ. We really can't separate that. And guys, the thing that we need to wrap our minds around is that it's a blessing. It's not, it shouldn't be something that we should, we should be um, hesitant about doing. It's a blessing. And the truth is, is that it really has nothing to do with the gifts that we have, but the love that we're called to have, which is absolutely made manifest in the church through the one spirit that calls us. 1 Corinthians, the next chapter, in chapter 13, talks of this exactly. You probably have heard this scripture at weddings. But it says this, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. 
if I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to, to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. perseveres. Love never fails. You see, living together in community, building each other up, all serving together as parts of one body, this is what's best for us and where we see the best of us and the the church as a whole, the mission that we are on. This is what's best for our broken and lost world because in that body, this love is made manifest. It expands from what just what, uh, from just what as we as individuals have to offer, and it shifts to what the community has to offer together, united, which ultimately is the love of God. And it really, it, it's a good thing. I just want to take a, a quick glance at Acts chapter 2, just to, to look at the picture of biblical community and blessings that come from it. Verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Isn't this just an amazing picture of the blessings of community. I bring this passage up as many times as I can in scripture because I think the visualization of like that type of community, those people worshiping together, communing together, um, taking care of one another, sharing with one another, praising God together. And, and if you look at this, the end of this, people found this type of community attractive because it says the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It wasn't that they pulled people from other churches. It wasn't just... God, you know, the the deck being reshuffled. The lost were being found and coming to Christ because of how attractive the community of God was to them. That love drew them in and they heard about the Savior Jesus and uh, and then they in in turn became part of of that very one body. The blessings abound when we live in the community that Scripture calls us to. God uses that for his mission. So when we refuse to be a part of it, when we isolate ourselves, the mission hurts. We, mi- we miss out on that. But there's another side of this. I- I've already mentioned that it, you know, it, it puts off the mission when we isolate ourselves. But since we know what we're called to and hopefully, hopefully why we're called to it, I think it's important and challenging us for us to look at what happens if we choose to be that coal set aside from the fire. So I'm gonna, we're going to look at four other um, dangers of isolating ourselves from, from the community and fellowship of believers. And the second one is this, burnout. Burnout happens when we isolate ourselves from the community that God calls us to. Um, Burnout, if you don't know what that term means, it's a state of emotional, physical, social, and spiritual exhaustion. It can lead to diminished health, social withdrawal, depression, and and spiritual melancholy. And burnout is often the result of self-reliance rather than reliance on God. And this can absolutely be ignited by isolating yourself from the church and the work that the church is doing. 
Jesus said the words, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that's the scripture we have on our window right there. And when we choose to take on this world by ourselves, rather than relying on God and living in the community that he calls us to live, the chances of us ending up like the coal away from the fire grows exponentially. Because within the group, with, without everyone's fire working together to make one big roaring flame, it's, it's very hard, or it's really hard to, to, to keep things going by yourself. And more than that, we were never meant to be taken out of that fire and set aside. We were called to, to be one body together, unified, not separate. I found this story about Thomas Jefferson, of all people, who spent a period of about four years in isolation. He wrote a letter to his daughter about his experience, and his, his reflections tell us a lot. I, I just found this pretty interesting. Here, here's what he said in this letter. He said, I am convinced our own happiness requires that we should continue to mix with the world and to keep peace with it. I can speak from experience on the subject. From 1793 to 1797, I remained closely at home, saw none but those who came there, and at, at length became very sensible to the ill effect it had upon my own mind and of its direct and irresistible tendency to render me unfit for society and uneasy when, it, when necessarily engaged in it. I felt, I felt it enough enough of the effect of withdrawing from the world then to see that it led to an antisocial and misanthropic, misanthropic state of mind which severely punishes him who gives into it and will be a lesson I shall never forget as to myself. You see, without others, we, we begin to collapse upon ourselves. As our world becomes smaller, our issues, become, our, our issues grow bigger and burnout is right around the corner if not already right there in our faces. But we are projected, or I'm sorry, we are protected from burnout when we realize that we are called to be in this journey called life together. In fact, we, we are created for just that. But when we isolate ourselves, one of the dangers that is so imminent is burnout. So keep that in mind as we, we move forward here. The third thing I want to talk about is lack of accountability. The third danger is lack of accountability. Galatians 6, 1 through 3 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by that spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they so deceive themselves. We are called to have accountability for a number of reasons in a number of different areas. The main reason for this is because it helps us stay on track. In a lot, in many different areas, where it could so easily, we can so easily be led astray, and and just like this passage tells us, we are called to carry our burdens together, and we are called to not think something that we are something that we are not. Which, in my opinion, is thinking we can do this thing on our own, and we're never when we are never called to do that. So, some of these areas of accountability that we're we're held to in community is account, accountability in theology. Um, it, it's a common trap for Satan to lead us to have bad theology that keeps us away from experiencing the true freedom we have in Jesus Christ. When we're watching each other's backs and, and learning and growing together, it's much harder to fall into these traps. Together in community, we can challenge each other in the word and make sure bad theology doesn't sneak it, its way into our hearts and into our minds and therefore lead us down a dark road. We also get accountability and influences. 
Sometimes it's very hard to see the negative influences that we have, have in our lives, whether it's a person or a group of people or an activity that we have immersed ourselves into, whatever it is. Oftentimes, when we are in it, we don't realize the negative effects that it's having on us. Has anybody ever been there? You don't even realize the negative effects it has on you until you take a step back. They become kind of like blind spots that we don't even know are there. But when we're surrounded by our brothers and sisters who love us, we can be held accountable to those influences that we are letting into our hearts. They can help us see those blind spots and protect us from the dangers that we can't see ourselves. It's just one of the many blessings of having a community around us. Um, Another uh, part that we're held accountable is our uh, accountability and integrity. When we isolate ourselves from other believers, there's a much greater possibility to fall into sin. When we don't have people to keep us accountable, the door is wide open for Satan to bring on the attacks, and he will. When we are an active part of the body, we have a herd mentality, keeping each other accountable for the things that could be destructive in our lives. This is definitely the case when it comes to our integrity. We have such strength in numbers, and we should always use that to our advantage. Surround yourself with like-minded people who will encourage you, who will challenge you when you need to be challenged, who will build you up when you need to be built up, and who will call you out when you need to be called out on something. This is why we have a group of elders instead of just one in the church, right? And this is why we're called to a community rather than an isolation in our lives. Because that danger is so real when we isolate ourselves from the rest of the body of believers. The fourth danger of isolation I want to talk about is missing out on the joys of fellowship. And I think this is a danger. It's not just a side effect. I think this is big enough that it's a danger. This is one of my, really my favorite things to look at because it's, it's really practical and it just makes sense when you think about it. When we isolate ourselves from the church, we miss out on the joys and blessings that come from that very community. Uh, um, Psalm 68.6 says this, God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy, but he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. You see the blessing there? It says God places those who are lonely in families, in communities. And those who feel like prisoners are set free in those families and, and, and communities and are given joy. But those who are rebellious, they're put in isolation, in the sun-scorched land, in isolation, because in places of isolation, those blessings aren't seen or experienced. See, God desires for us to have the blessings the blessings that come from a family, a community of believers, not to do it by ourselves. Th- this fellowship, the brotherhood, the encouragement, sharing in each other's joys and helping carry, out, carry the weight of each other's burdens. If we look back to that first passage in 1 Corinthians 12 that I, I read earlier, verse 26 at the end of it said this, in one, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Again, do you see the blessing? When we, when we reject the community God has called us to, we fall into this danger of missing out on all of those blessings. We fall into loneliness. And for those who have experienced the pain and struggle of being lonely, they can give a testimony to the fact that it's not a place that you want to be. And in fact, I, a few weeks ago on Facebook, I, I posted this question. What, what do you see the dangers of um, being isolated from the church? And I think that was probably the number one response on there was loneliness. 
and it's, it's not a place you want to be. And, and with the body of Christ living like it should, you don't have to have that loneliness. You don't have to remain there outside of the blessings of the community and in the sun-scorched desert. We're called to a family to be set free and to live out the blessings and joys of that family. So since that's the case, why wouldn't you want to avoid the danger, that danger and live in the blessings of the body, the community that God's given us? So I want to bring this full circle here and go back to kind of that first danger for my fifth one, but just to look at it in a broader scope. And that's the mission of the church suffers. The mission of the church suffers. I might have put it in there incorrectly, but that's what it is. The fifth one is the mission of the church suffers. It's remember that passage in 1 Corinthians 12 that, that we opened up with. All are called to have a part uh, to play in the body, a function to serve. The body needs all of its parts to function to its fullest capacity. When one part f- fails to play its part, the church suffers and therefore the completion of the mission suffers. It makes sense, right? If you think of like a car. All right, think of a car and all of its parts that work together. Now, a car's function is to get from point A to point B with people inside of it. Um, you know, it could be enjoyable. You can get there quickly. Safely is usually one of the, the goals, but really, ultimately, it's there for transportation. That's its mission. That's its goal. Now, if a tire decided to separate itself from the car and, and try to serve that mission, it, you know, the, the tire said, no, we're doing this on our own. Would they really get to where they want to go? Unless it's like downhill or something, I don't think so. And if you guys have been a part of life long enough, you know it's not usually downhill, right? <laughs> now, and think of that also. Think of the rest of the car. And if now if the car was like, man, we need to get going, but now we don't have our tires. <laughs> it wouldn't really get anywhere. The church hurts from the absence of all of its parts, just like the car does. But one of the cool things is that it will move on. It always has, which is just one of the other blessings that comes from it. That's the power of our God, that one spirit that calls us. People step up and act like parts that they weren't really created to be in community. They, they take on each other's burdens. And because of the message of Christ and who he is as the head of the body, the church will move on. People will come to know Christ and God will be glorified. That we can be assured of. But that doesn't mean that the body will function to its fullest potential without all of its parts, working as active members, fulfilling its mission here on earth. And and like I said earlier, this isn't a guilt thing. It's not. It's a calling to something that's so fun and good. If you've ever had the chance to be a part of the, of the working church, being a part of the mission where everyone is chipping in their gifts, talents, their finances, and, and their time, all, all of it to complete this mission, guys, it's, it's so much fun. There's so much blessing there. And, and I got to experience that last weekend. I don't know if you, any of you were down at the family fun night in the square, but I got to watch as all these, you guys, and People from Rimrock came together and, and chipped in their time, their efforts, their, their gifts, their talents, whether it was from the band or whatever it was. I got to see all of these parts coming together and working and providing an amazing time of worship, of blessing, of, uh, of just um, opportunity down there for people to walk by and say, huh, that looks different. And I think back to that, that scripture in Acts 2 and 
people saw these, you know, saw the church being what it is and doing, living life like they were in community. And it said, and the Lord added to their number daily, those who were being saved. Because there's something different when we see the, the church function to its fullest capacity. There's something different about it. And people are attracted to that. So what I want you to walk away with tonight is the realization that we are called to a great and glorious mission as the church community together. That mission deserves our all. We have been called to complete this together as the body of believers, as the body of followers of Jesus Christ. And that, that story I told you at the beginning of John has always kind of resounded with me since I heard it. It's always kind of just stuck in my heart and my, in my head because I've seen both sides of this, right? I've watched people, as people have enjoyed the blessings of being a part of the body of believers, roaring in the fire together as the community and functioning as the body was designed to function. And guys, it's such a, it's such a beautiful thing. If you've experienced it, you know what I'm talking about. But I've seen people set themselves outside of that fire. They might try to keep it going for a while. But it seems like that fire always burns out. It's not that Christ isn't alive in us. But it's falling short of what he's calling us to be together. And it's, it's heartbreaking to see people trying to live out this life by themselves because, or outside of the blessings that our amazing Father has called, him to, called us to because it is so, so good and so, so sweet to be a part of the body of believers. But the dangers of isolation are real. I could have t- listed a hundred more of them up there, guys. And I hope and pray that this has become very apparent to you as we look through scripture together and that you will take stock of the importance of community in your lives tonight and every day moving forward and that you strive to be a part of a community uh, in your life. So that's my encouragement to you guys today, to be a part of the body of believers, to be a part of the mission, to live out your calling, to be to work as that, that part that God has made you of that bo- inside that body. And I know, I know that you won't regret it. Because it's exactly what we were created for. That's exactly what God creates us to do and to be. Let's pray. Lord, it's, it's fun to, to preach about blessings. Father, and that's exactly what community is. Lord, may we be so aware of the dangers of isolating ourselves from, from the community you've called us to, from the church. Father, may we realize that we were not called to do this on our own. May we realize that we're in our times of loneliness, that you have called us to community to, to do this life together, to encourage each other, to hold each other accountable, to, to build each other, or, or ourselves up and build each other up. Father, may we, uh, may we, become aware of maybe some of these dangers that have shown themselves in our lives. May we realize that you've called us to be a part of the family. Lord, I thank you for dying on a cross and calling us to to not go through this life, to this mission by ourselves, Father. We are not created for that. We are created to do this together. We are created for a relationship. First and foremost, a relationship with you. So Lord, if there are people here that don't even know what I'm talking about, this relationship, Father. May they understand that we are all sinners 
We can't be good enough that we can't do this on our own, Father, that you sent your son Jesus to die for us on a cross because you knew that and you, you desired for us to be in relationship with you. And Father, that all we need to do is accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, to put our faith in him, to let him be king of our lives. And Father, with that comes the blessing of community. So Father, may we just remember that tonight. May we remember that going forward and may we just glorify you as we enjoy some more worship together as one body, as we enjoy some fellowship eating those awesome smelling pancakes out there together as one body and as we go through this life together as one body.